Hey everybody, Jamie Kelly here. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Season 3 of The Approximate Podcast. Be sure to join our Patreon for only $5 a month to see all of Season 3's episodes in full HD video. That's patreon.com slash approximate podcast. If you're already a patron, thank you so much for your support. And to everyone who's tuned in, we love you all. And now, on with the show. Kitty, fucking stop it. God damn it. Fucking cat. Yeah, you. Oi. <laughs> Scrapple. Stop it. All right, cut. We're done. Fucking cat. God damn it. <laughs> Fucking Erica Cherry. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Uh, thanks for having me, of course. Uh, geez, here's what I love about this particular episode is that you're the fourth guest on the show so far. And number four. Yeah. Uh, and you're the you're the first guest that we've had that like I actually for like all of our Vegas guests, because mm-hmm. um, that's where we're recording in Vegas, that like I've known the longest. I've only been here for three years and I I knew you about a year into my stay here. Um, and we met uh, shooting a trade scene for Transerotica. Mm-hmm. So that means I've known you for, geez, if we count all the official time up for about two and a half years. Um, we've been to parties together. We've gone to award ceremonies together. We've done a couple of scenes and have just like had some hangout time in general. So it's mm-hmm. like really cool to have you on the show. <laughs> oh, happy to be here. I think it's cool. Um, I love podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> We've even done a podcast together. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. A, we did uh, <laughs> this is the weirdest thing in the world. We did an entire podcast in L.A. Uh, it was given. It was uh, an assignment that was given to me by my uh, press agent. Mm-hmm. Um, it was cats. We were, it was a, a podcast all about cats, and it was like the nervous, the most nerving time <laughs> I've ever had because I knew it was coming up. I knew we had like two or three days to prepare and the whole time i'm thinking about how is a how is a cat podcast gonna work i have about five minutes of material to talk about my cat what the fuck are we gonna do to fill up an hour and god damn it by hook or by crook we filled up an hour <laughs> we did we you can talk about cats i guess that's why they have a podcast you can do it for a surprisingly long amount of time yeah i oh, know I'm right it, it was again. it was a really fun odd sideways experience That's but yeah, that, we've, yeah we've done a lot of cool things together mm-hmm. and i know that um we have something in common that uh maybe not a lot of people know about we're both musicians and not like just oh i i produce i make beats on <laughs> fruity loops or whatever no no like you've been writing and recording music and writing songs for well i don't want to give away age or anything but a long time as long as you could expect me to have been doing it i think i have been doing it um in some form like we've talked about this before but um i've composed music for some independent films um a myriad of video games um i used to be the recording engineer for college and now i'm making synth pop synth pop music so it's just the latest iteration in my musical journey which can never end because I'm addicted. To of it. course. Well, I love that you bring up the synth pop thing because recently you have just released an actual like a song that could be found on Spotify. It's called Haunted, right? Mm, that's right. Tell me, latest. tell me about Haunted. Haunted was oh man. Um, so I've really been dialed into the sound of pop music that I want to have, which is sort of an 80s throwback with some modern influences as well. Um, Haunted was just, honestly, I was falling back on a very, to me, tried and tested trope of synth pop with supernatural elements. <laughs> Always seems to just hit in a certain way when you do that. Am, am I hearing elements of thriller? Is, is this ha- Does that have anything to do with it? Well, yeah, because when that's I think not the of, only one, though, because there's Thriller, which is the one you would think of when you think of synth. Right. <laughs> well, and, and just like pop with a capital P in general mixed with something that is supernatural. Of course, mm-hmm. we all think Thriller. What was the 
like we're going to talk about the technicalities about this because I want to know your process. Yeah, sure, sure. But like to get to the root of it, where did the song come from? Like in your core, like in what? My heart. Yeah. What were you writing about when you wrote Haunted? I sort of had a, a, a sapphic picture in mind when I wrote Haunted. Um, I, there was just full of like, I was envisioning this sort of broken romance, sort of with this like paranormal element mixed in. This is pure fantasy. Some of my songs are based on my life. This one is not based on my life. This one's based on just wild fantasies. My mind goes places and I want to take you on that journey with me. Yes. So that's what Haunted is about. That's where that came from. Oh, fucking sweet. Uh, I, I I showed the track earlier today. I showed Stephanie the track, and she fucking loves it. That's like... Oh, I'm glad you like it. <laughs> like, genre-wise, that's right up Stephanie's alley. What'd you think of it, Steph? I liked it. Yeah, it gave me, you know, 80s uh, synth pop, exactly what you said. <laughs> you know, I'm really big in the synthesizer, so as soon as I heard the synth bass, I was like, okay. Yes, yeah, right, oh, I have a it. saying, um, never doubt a trans girl with a synthesizer. Or a guitar, right? We're or all about guitar. guitars yes. or synthesizers. The synthesizer is something <laughs> for me in particular because um, another influence in my music is just the mu- uh, Wendy Carlos, right? Fuck yeah, so, yes. Wendy Carlos. A trans woman Absolutely. who is... Innovator. Yeah, innovator of, of the synthesizer of the in synthesizer general. literally built <laughs> yes. those instruments that right. I use in my music with right. bob moog yeah absolutely so i know that the haunted and i'm gonna i mean we're there's gonna be so much that we're gonna get to but i'm like enraptured with talking about music with you yeah and so i want to know that haunted is a thing that is available on spotify right now but it is part forgive me if i fuck this up but this is part of a larger project right yes um i'm i'm Beginning my debut set of songs as a performer, as a singer, um, like I've done performance and singing in some capacity for a long time, um, but this is the first time I've taken it uh, to a professional level, and well, to truly professional level. I felt that I've done professional work before this, <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, this is my this is my like statement. I wanna, I really hoping that the simple premise of just this. It's synth pop. I think I have developed a very unique way of of singing and bringing that to life, um, expressing that sort of like nostalgia through the way that I that I sing and um, basically yeah. It, it hits you on an emotional level, mm-hmm. and you're going for about what six, seven songs to put on an EP to make your grand splash, yes. right? That's right. I have a I have a set of of um, Seven songs are planned. Two of them are released, Going Blonde and Haunted. Yeah. And I'm very proud of both of them. They're both very clubby and dancey, but there will be a variety of types of songs. Most of them will be danceable. Are you going to do any, um, like, dance mixes of these songs? Are you going to go that ambitious? Yeah, the remixes, right? I hope to to do everything that I can do with this music. Um, I'm incredibly proud of it. It's written in such a rigorous... Um, and produced in such a way that um, I'd be extremely comfortable handing it off to other producers and letting them do things to my to my work because awesome. I'm very confident that it these are it songs that are, I worked with. These are songs that are ready to be made into a stem pack and to give to like anybody that can handle it. Absolutely, yes. And create like those you know, yeah. true club mixes. There's That's- no limit to what you could do with the stems. I'm considering releasing them for free. Actually, I'm I'm not sure if I will do that or not. But I know a few few people you can hand it to. <laughs> So, with uh, that being said, um, I know a large part of your sound, and I don't. I know that the audience expects us to talk about a certain thing, but I'm still <laughs> enraptured by the music. Uh, synths are a large part, yes. of your of your sound, right? And I know that Stephanie has a lot to talk about synths. I could go on and on and on forever, <laughs> right? So, Which is yeah. exactly what we do need. You have so. a Do you have a yeah. favorite synthesizer? <laughs> Oh, um, as far as like like boiling down like actual like hardware, I mean, it's like you know, I don't know software. Well, I mean, I use Vital for a lot of stuff on mm-hmm. on software because it's just free and it's very deep. Um, but it depends on also what kind of synthesis you're going for. If you're going for FM, or if you're going for granular, or if you're going for you know, I'm into a whole bunch of different kinds of it, and I'm still just like scratching the surface. Sure. Well. <laughs> I could share my, if you'd, have, if you'd let me, I'd share my favorite synthesizer. Um, yeah, yeah, please. Absolutely. It's the Kawai K1V um, 
forget which company, Kawai, obviously, K1V. And uh, it was a synthesizer that was really popular in Japan in 1988 in particular. And uh, a lot of it is in that, um, some of that, some of the cheesiness from the synth pop music we were talking about earlier comes from the synthesizer. Yeah. So to me, I've been trying to find clever, subtle ways of inserting it into my music without turning audiences on too much. I know that it's kind of the same approach as like a hip hop artist when they go back and sample, um, you know, like a city pop song. But in my case, I, I prefer to use that same tool, get that synthesizer. You're replicating the spirit. Mm-hmm. of the thing it's a different approach but the spirit is pretty similar yeah yeah and it informs ex- yeah like it informs the well th- here's what i like about you is like you're coming from a really true emotional place with your music and that's what i hear and and like knowing you and hanging out with you mm-hmm. long enough to where like it feels like you're doing exactly the right thing and of course there's going to be links and everything and i'm going to implore everybody to listen to your tracks thank you <laughs> and this is why i want to like talk about some of the like behind the scenes about what you're yeah, up to like yeah, how it's created sometimes yeah. i it's hard for me to remember everything that goes into <laughs> it it's like this series of law like because to make music and you as a producer and a performer you know this um it's more than just being able to do all these things. You have to be able to run a marathon with every song when you're being when you're wearing every single every hat. Every single every mistake hat. that you make makes it into the final product. Ruin <laughs> everything else, right? You know? Absolutely, absolutely. Let's get you know the the production. It's it's involved. It's crazy. You wouldn't believe how much goes into it. Well, we'll talk about it for days. I I, I know that like the people that listen to this episode of the podcast will be well informed once they listen to Erica's song. But it, all this talk brings me to this idea that, like, I know something about you that, like, Stephanie didn't know right away. And that is your love for, and you're going to have to help me out here. It's that, like, mid, is it mid to late 80s or early to mid 80s well, honestly, Japanese the, yes, that, electro pop? What, what do you call it? <laughs> the, the city pop, right? City pop. Yeah. Uh, I'm a fan of it. So, yeah, like... Anybody that's listened to the track that is like hearing this podcast, once you hear it, the words city pop should resonate with you. And so, like, who are some of your favorites? Where are you drawing like inspiration from? City pop wise, um, I did mention one name before, I think, Tatsuro Yamashita. Yeah. It's one of my absolute all time favorite um, city pop artists. He still sings, I believe. Um, he's been active since the late 70s, I think. Really? Now, I have a question because I am... He's also um, married to the, to the woman, um, I can't quite remember her name, but she sang the song Plastic Love, which is the spontaneously viral song that kicked off the city pop revival. I know exactly the thing you're talking about. Uh, Again, anybody that's listening to this is probably of a certain age and has probably already seen the YouTube videos. Maria Takayuchi, I think. Yeah. I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, But this brings me to a question because I am a woman of a certain age, right? (laughs) And this, until I met you, I'm sure it was in the periphery of my experience. Mm Mm-hmm. But I, I knew nothing about this. Uh-huh. And you know about this. And you are younger than I am. What? <laughs> how did you find it? How did you find City Pop? What what latched you? Another name for City Pop is YouTube Recommendation Core. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, is this the stuff that has, like, the neon lights and, like, the road and shit? Well, that's, fe- that's like... Future funk. Yeah, right? okay, okay. Future funk is what started. Uh, people would take city pop songs and speed them up and add more bass oh, or so electronic like, drums. So it's like elements of nightcore and stuff like that. Into yeah, it. yeah. Okay, and then, okay. well, people listened to this and this new sound was like, where are people getting this from? And these artists are coming out of nowhere with this magical sound, right? <laughs> and, well, we go back a little bit further and we find these city pop songs that are the basis of it, these um, really incredible of uh, jazz fusion easy listening i don't know it's a really great combo it feels sunny it feels bright and optimistic but it also feels cool neon it feel it has that cyberpunk edge to it all those adjectives that you use like that really hits my core because uh when i've investigated a bit of city pop as it were mm-hmm. it is like 
um, yeah, like easy listening jazz, but electrified in some way that is like ethereal. It's the synthesizers. Synth- it's synth- <laughs> I, I think I do know what it is. It's, it's that synth and it's that Japanese pr- production of the 80s. Oh, yeah, yeah. When those, uh, you can't, the audio quality that they achieved back then, just with pure engineering and, and how they manage their rooms and their spaces, is just way better than anything we do today, in my opinion. For that kind of music, yes. Like, you cannot find a better version of it. You yeah. know, it's it's amazing. Now, uh, with doing that, recording music like that these days, not too many. I mean, you got to have resources to record it that way too. So a lot of people are making music just on their computer, however they can. You know, but um, yeah, you asked me my favorite synthesizer. I would say probably the Electron Mono Machine. Uh, that thing is just so deep and amazing, and that's uh, synthesizer that one of my favorite artists used uh, uh, to like make her trademark sound, even though she could crafted on any fucking thing she wanted to yeah yeah i'm well i'm really i'm really interested in applying that just a little bit of delicate cheesiness oh yeah absolutely. songs i don't know what it is there's something even some like sometimes in music i prefer the cheapest synth over the most advanced or even a live recording of an instrument oh yeah just for that particular sound that you can't get any other way you know, I man, I have a lot of creative things to say about that that very thing that you just said. Some of the quote unquote shittiest, thinnest sounds they stand out because they're shitty and thinny, or <laughs> shitty and thinny. <laughs> yeah, but, well, that but, makes but, them very but, useful. But, but it also yeah. helps as a songwriter. Cuts down in, your frequency in your yeah in your composition Stereo and speed. in your arrangement. Yeah, because if the sound is like that sound alone within the confines of arrangement sticks out so well, it actually helps you scoop out and like build around that sound, which makes it like so important because we can all have synths that have that sound and bury it in the mix because we want everything happening all at once. So when you come into contact with sounds like that, it's actually uh, an unknown learning experience because that kind of like, I need this sound. Emotionally, bam, that sound. Then you scoop around that sound for its passage. If it's a lead line, if it's a melody, it actually helps your songwriting a great deal to find a tone that you love so well. So yeah, I, I, I oh, love absolutely. to hear that. Yeah, I'm not a good, I'm not a good synth um, artist. I'm a good, I'm a very good composer um, and I'm decent at synth programming. Um, so my approach is in the 80s they used lots of the preset patches oh, on absolutely. these really old synthesizers so uh, um when i write my music uh, i i do not program all of my sounds from scratch <laughs> I, I start from a i have a huge library of of presets and and i will start from one of those and then tweak it to meet my needs and adjust it um that's yeah. that's generally my workflow and also i don't have time to be making up these patches from Scratch. Right, because the song comes first. I think a lot of times it holds people back trying to make everything from scratch. Because I mean, that's kind of held me back. But yeah, I'm in love with yeah. sound. And you get caught up in the textures, yeah. and yeah. then well, the, the you really don't way see the force for the trees. Yeah. It's not really an authentic way to be an artist. I feel. Um, I know that's probably a controversial way. To think to no, say. no, please. I, but, uh, I I like where you're going. No, if if uh, now let me explain what I mean. Because I there's nothing wrong with making your own sounds. Right, nothing wrong with it. But um. When you are making a song, when you're making a composition, what you want to do is start with the idea of what you want in your head already. And that by necessity means that it kind of already exists. If you're making patches, you're exploring, you're looking for something that you don't you may not know what you're looking for yet, right? But when you're when you have an idea for a song, um, there's really no reason to be making that from scratch unless you're just the synth god, right? In which case, go ahead. Right? But if you're not, and you can get to that exact same sound faster with a preset, it's like... Oh, absolutely. Then it's silly. It's I would say it's bad. It's bad production to hey, be yeah. going into that de- those details that you don't need to go into. I'd say if it's not your thing, if that's not what you get off on. If, yeah. If that's not what you get off on and you get off on the songwriting, which is that's like a total legitimate thing to get off on and, and being a synthesis <laughs> yes. is totally a legitimate yes, thing. Yes, I'm all about the songwriting too. and the performance. Absolutely. That's my that's what I, mean, I, I care think, about. I I think it I think both of them have their space for everybody, like for people to get into it. Like I feel like 
being like somebody who's like more of a sound engineer or a sound designer or something like that, that lends its way to songwriting, but it can also stand in the way of it. So like, I feel like you need to have an idea first and then make your sounds around that. Um, and that's the way yeah. I'm looking at it. Yeah, definitely. That's and my of course, advice for anyone if you want to. Yeah. I, I don't want to be super reductive, but I love that we're having this conversation because it seems to be a repeating theme that when we're talking about the adult entertainment industry or we're talking about something that is also, you know, uh, creative, any creative endeavor, like we're talking about music right now, we're going to have people that look at this podcast and they're going to want to see what people are talking about, like do deep dives and because there could be newbies. I always anticipate that there's newbies and they're looking for advice. They're looking for people that they look up to. And I love that we're having this conversation. Um, one of the segue back. Into well, the it's not necessarily a segue. I just, I just wonder to <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, though. remark let me, on Let it. me scratch a, a moan over here and then we can set right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but I, I, I wanted to ask you, Stephanie, what's that? Uh, like, what drew your ear to synthesis and, like, being so interested in synthesizers? Oh, okay. So, like, my original love when I was a kid was just, like, synth lead lines of, like, probably, like, a New Wave or, like, synth pop or something like that around the time. Yeah. And that really caught my ear first off. It's a story I hear a, a lot that I heard, I heard 80s music, I heard New Wave, I heard this funk, and then... I took it to the internet and I grew, it grew from there. This whole like internet helped everything grow. <laughs> yeah, yeah this, um, it was really interesting to me because I remember during the nineties and during the, well, I wasn't remembering much during the nineties. I was a little young, but during the early two thousands and 2010 area it was kind of very much not like the eighties at all. Like that was not cool music. Is it my am, am I hallucinating that? No, you're well, not there hallucinating was a, that. There was a time, Maybe and that was it's just still, my dad. <laughs> there was a time, and it still is going on in certain circles of anti-nostalgia. It's only futuristic. You can only think of the future when you hear these songs. Like, where is music going? You know, the where, weirder the better. Even if it was like you know, well, not, just for the sake of being not, weird. Not necessarily just the weirder the better, but shit that like, um, like you might have thought it sounded bad. Like, like 100 Gex is, like, a big thing right now. And, yeah. like, they, they kind of draw from, like, 90s, and then they draw from, like, early 2000s and stuff like that. But they have this whole unique, silly, quirky, but also, like, really, like, legitimate singer-songwriter type music. Like, yeah. where, like, you can see where their influences come from. You can also see what they do with it and also how they don't take themselves that seriously. Um, I don't know. It's just something that... Um, that it, it fascinates me the the what's happening with music currently. Like I found, I find the most the most uh, exciting music to me right now is like the newest music being released. Yeah, and I've never really been that way. It's always been a lot like of like, oh, I've, I'm gonna dive back into these older records and I'm gonna go record driving mm -hmm. and I'm gonna throw it on the vinyl and yeah. You know, but it does feel a little bit like there's a there's a sort of maybe this is just because I am doing music and you're doing music or in a bubble, but. Uh, it does feel like there's some kind of energy in the music landscape. Probably it's driven by the fact that it feels like the industry is kind of like dead or the old industry has kind of died and there's a new one starting to sort of start to build up again. Yeah, I, well, I think, well, it's streaming that killed the industry and like making the like uh, deals with like big pop labels and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. But I feel like, Music still, like, independent music still lives on, like, sound clouds and, like, you know, like, mixed clouds and things like that. Like, all these smaller things where they don't really have to, you know, have too much of a connection or resources or whatever to upload your own stuff. But then, of course, people are getting it on Spotify, too. And, of course, there's always problems with Spotify. It's problems with Apple, yeah. you know, the whole pay and all that stuff mm -hmm. yeah yeah well there's the whole issue with how do you get paid as an artist and that's kind of one of the motivations for me going into the industry because i don't i'm not uh, entering it in with with just i want to do music um i'm very interested in the business side of it <laughs> okay so if you need I, to switch topics no 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 it's not switching no, topics no, no. it's that i have a very small thing to say to oh yeah that. sure and that is here's here's 
I come from the world of live bands, rock bands, rock, anything that uh, concerned a guitar, okay? The way that we've always made music, at least for the many, many years uh, that I've been a active musician, mm-hmm. you make music from live performance and merch sales. That's make you, money from music from live performance and ourselves. Okay. Yeah, that's how you make money. What did yeah. I say? Well, most make music case. from live performance and merchandise. Oh, I, I, I meant <laughs> I meant money. Largely how it works. <laughs> I meant money, but yeah, I mean it still goes hand in hand. But the thing is, when you ask about how to make money, how do like performers and artists get paid? It literally brass tacks comes from live performance and merch sales. When it comes to selling records, when it comes to disseminating information for a certain price point, it's always been the case of you're so big that you can get on a platform like Spotify or something, and mm-hmm. if you're a huge enough name, you'll get some money from that. Mm-hmm. Or it just all goes to a record label. Yeah, And we know that record labels aren't necessarily a thing for, like, thriving, young, up-and-coming new voices. It has to be, you know, a predetermined thing. It's it's very insular, the record that industry right probably, now. That's the problem with the music industry, right? It's because there is no – there is, like, how does a new talent – all of the artists who are currently touring, we've seen them forever. The frustration of what's like what we're talking about right here is what is Lack your of a pathway? But, well, what is your definition of success? Now, the whole true. landscape has changed. Yeah. We cannot live in the past where you could just play a bunch of fucking bars and if you had the best songs, an A&R representative would sign you to a label, put you on tour, sell some records, like that shit is gone. There is Very no gone. way Very to gone. make money by simply selling your music. I think that um, you can't put a roof over your house, or you can't put a roof over your head doing that shit. I don't think so. Yeah. you have to. Selling tour, records is you pointless. have to sell merch in this current yeah. era that we're living in. Selling records, yeah, you're gonna no sell. Point. You're gonna sell Except downloads under certain very merch. specific circumstances. Sorry about that, yeah. No, that's okay. Um, but that uh, I, I honestly think one of the most revolutionary tools for an artist could be OnlyFans. That sounds weird, but our sex and music has all have always been kind oh, of connected. Um, I mean, you know, in certain cases, yeah. it can be a peanut butter chocolate situation. You know, <laughs> this is the trend in the entertainment industry I'm seeing in general, where I think the artists have to to do a lot more because the tools make it possible for us to. Do I more. think what happens, and I don't know. Tell tell me, I'm a cynical asshole. But if you simply write a song that resonates with, you know, a large group of people, what happens is you have the avenues to show the music. That's already taken care of. People have seen you. They like it. You're not going to make record sales. You don't have to go through the extra step of mixing it with a other proven format that has nothing to do with music. Mm-hmm. You simply get put on fucking stage and you sell merch. I think it's the same thing. I think the only thing that's changed in the music industry for like original artists is that you don't get the record sales. But you still have to do the work by A, writing a good song that resonates with everybody, and then B, putting yourself out there on tours. That's my main goal is to go out there and be performing this music live. So I have a Stan Twitter account and like I follow a lot of smaller artists on there and they, a lot of them some follow me back too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyways, if you're not getting on playlist, which mm-hmm. is like one of the big things right now is getting on playlist and then of course mm-hmm. you got to make playlist friendly music to get on playlist unless it's a certain kind of playlist and you're part of that. But yeah, it's still touring and it's still merch. But the smaller artists can't always make, can't always sell out those places, can't always make enough money off of, even make enough money to travel from touring alone. Yeah. So they just eat up all their profit while yeah. they're traveling. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to say one definitive thing mm-hmm. about this topic. And that is, and it's just in any form of entertainment, music, porn, being on TV, being an actor, mm-hmm. whatever creative endeavor it is that is for the sake of entertainment and trying to capitalize on it. I think it's the same thing that happens across all tiers of the ladder, okay? I think if you have something that resonates, 
you don't have to spend a million plates doing all the detail work. I think what happens is if you have a thing that resonates, I don't care what it is, acting chops, writing songs, whatever it is, being a porn performer, you have something that resonates, all the mechanisms come to you. All the, all the, all the plates that we spin as we're trying to like, quote unquote, make our way up, all that stuff is taken care of for you once you do the one thing that proves that you're, you know, sellable. And then everybody else takes care of the websites and the selling and the this and the that. And the, now, really now you're not poking your own tours. Well, People are putting you on tour. Well, that's the, when you like hire a promoter. The, you hire or, things like that. Like, sure, for ancillary like stuff. Your, but like the, all the form. delegation is provided for you once you become profitable and how do you become profitable write something that resonates with the people and then that's how the business works i mean it's not a meritocracy is what i'm saying it is and it's not too because there's a lot of songs that resonate with a huge amount of people that didn't make much money you know in a perfect world here's how here's how the hollywood story works personal experience with that (laughs) in a perfect world here's how the hollywood version works you put the quote unquote you put in your dues and you do all a bunch of stuff on your own so that you can make the one thing that slipped through the cracks that everybody loves. And then the people with the deep pockets, they take care of the rest. And that's that's what it is to make it. That's in porn. That's in music. That's in being an actor. That's in being a, an, an artist of any sort. So you're saying a creative what, person. So you're saying that's once never really how I've approached things. I don't, I'm maybe I'm more stubborn. If I'm if I feel like I want something, I'm gonna try harder to like engineer it and make it happen. What I'm saying is it's a crapshoot, and all you can do can be, is yeah. be as honest with your creativity and how it relates to you as possible. And then once you throw it out of the wall, any spaghetti that sticks sticks, and anything that doesn't. You should just be happy that you got to speak your most honest truth, and a few people will like it, and then those are the fans that matter. Oh, no, absolutely. I feel like any artist, any actor, whatever, should be doing this stuff originally because it's in the heart, and this is what they want. Or it's because it's an addiction. You can't. You yeah, that, can't but stop. it's in your heart. That's it. That's if an addiction. you're compelled to do it and you never stop doing it, something will come your way that will approximate your idea of success, and then you just fucking have to live with it. You know? So what you're saying is, it's when you get backing from somebody, that's when you've made it. If that's your definition of making, well, it. well, that's what you said. My definition of making it is like, well, uh, I, I have a like, I want to make money, right? I want to make money with music, and I want to perform, and I want to do tours. But how I end up doing those things is up for grabs. I mean, I could see a world where I become successful through the internet because these are nostalgia kind of bait a little bit and I don't get to tour because people aren't interested in that. Maybe I could see a a reverse situation where I don't do that good on the internet, but because it's nostalgia bait, I get to perform, I get to tour. So um, I guess the the thing is, is that with success, um, if you have something you want, define it. Go for that, but also be as flexible around that. For the uh, gears and mechanisms within the industry that you're involved, but never be flexible about your honesty and your truth. Compromise. I was going to bring all this back from 15 minutes ago to say the one thing I forgot, which is when it comes right down to it, and use this as a metaphor, anybody that's watching or listening, it really does come down to three chords and the truth. You know, that that applies as an actor, that applies as a graphic artist, that applies as a comic book writer, that applies as a, a, you know, it doesn't matter what creative field you're in. Three chords, a foundation and your personal truth, and then you just don't stop doing that. Everything else is ancillary. And then if you throw something at the wall one day that happens to stick, everything else you know, from the corporations and the things that define monetary success will propel you forward. But we may not need to even need a corporation if we if we just do everything ourselves. Just all, again, it, it <laughs> comes down to your... years and I'll have robots that can help me put on a show by myself. And, I won't need a corporation. Also, indie pop is like really big. Like yeah, big yeah. Oh, right there's now. so many ways. Caroline yeah. Polacek and like, yeah. It, well, it comes I'm down very to bullish. The, <laughs> power through anything, <laughs> any challenge I find. Right? It comes down right to the, like the thing you said just about 
three or four minutes ago, which is, you know, you define your own terms of success. Yeah. You know, because if you hold yourself to too high a standard and you, you, you start to think about the wrong things, you stop worrying about the stuff you're making and you start worrying about the dreaded, quote unquote, making it. And that can put you on a wrong path and eat up your brains and eat up your emotions. I, I, I saw, I watched a video on this exact topic today. And this guy, he was making a project that he was like, no one's going to give a shit about this. I just want to do it. And it took him a lot of effort to do. Like he went across the country filming like stuff to go along with the music and stuff like that. But one of the quotes in it, I think he started and ended it with, um, uh, we don't do this to to like leave a lasting impact uh, or uh, to be like the most successful or whatever. We do this because you want to have a full life to yourself and that's what you love to do. You don't yeah. do it because anything outside of that. And if anything outside of that comes, then it's just gravy. Yeah, the notion of a particular kind of success can absolutely distract you from living in the moment and doing things that like feel authentic authenticity is the name of the game. If you ever catch yourself worrying about something that has nothing to do with your authenticity in the auspices of trying to quote unquote make it, you need to take a step back, take a breath because you might be kind of fucked. Then I've also, uh, you also hear a lot of times that expectation is like the killer of like creativity. Like it really is because like if you start expecting stuff, you're like, well, why do I even fucking do it? Because I'm not gonna get. Yeah, it. it's really yeah, <laughs> it'd be difficult to get past your own desire to be perfect, right? Because then you just are like, oh, I can't do it. You stop. <laughs> That's difficult because there's there's such a fine line between giving it your all, doing your best, and also knowing what your limits are. What is the best that you can do? What is like foolish to try to attempt to do, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I mean, th- I mean, this conversation is hitting so close to home because this notion of expectations. Again, I I think I can generally speak for all of us when I say that everybody sitting at this table is a quote unquote creative. We love making uh, I'm stuff. I'm an artist. <laughs> I'm an artist. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 as such, we just because society doesn't like creatives, we're essentially considered useless. So we we find it really hard to you know essentially like put a roof over our heads because we'd rather spend our energy creating rather than flipping a burger or, I mean. You know, not that there's anything wrong with flicking, flipping burgers or, you know, feeding people or being a part of the fundamentals of society. No one flips burgers anymore. Wendy's is done with that. <laughs> White Castle's done with that already. I, I'm not saying that there's anything. Gone. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with not being a creative person. Of course not. Well, you got to have an audience. <laughs> but for those, that, uh, for those of us at this time where we're creative, you know, it, it, became, it can become really tough. When all we have to do as creative people is compare ourselves to others and and gauge certain levels of success and then try to meet our like own aspirations as a person that just does the creative thing, that has their hands on the clay, you know, everything about it is so tough. And they wonder why uh, creatives and artists are always drunk and drugged up and <laughs> you know yes well <laughs> and, and there is we, something, we, I want to say something about success if you would let me just because yeah. there is a level of of um you need resources to make art absolutely yeah. and you need a lot of resources to make great art and so that's the thing that every artist desires to make great art and deep down do we really care if it's the most popular thing probably not if if it's honest and it's what we intended to create no art no artist would choose that over fame or whatever but um well somewhat <laughs> great i think great is like it's a very subjective word like so like i think great art can be made from very little resources and just like you know yeah. jamie said three chords and the truth you know it's that's very true okay but yeah okay that's true I'll, backing, I'll accept that was pretty I, I can say, but, but but along with what you were saying once you get the backing and resources and stuff you can only elevate that art 
more and more because it's your it's your voice it's well, your for vision. example my passion yeah. right i like to make music um i like to make funk i like to make but i'm not a rhythm guitarist and i'm not about to, to learn in order to make that kind of music i have to succeed with it in order to be able to do the type of music that i really want to do which is what i am doing now but also with more music more musicians more right realness you're, you're, as as a person that's big ideas you're painting with a broader brush yeah and and also you're still because you don't have as much resources as you like you have to do all the little bits you know yeah, be, before so you start delegating and paying I do, we for do what we can with what we have and <laughs> lots of hats yeah there's yeah. there's something it's so there's some incredible things made that way and definitely artistically valuable um I don't know. To me, there's there's that, and then there's also the this is the best of what humanity can do, like as a group effort kind of thing. And that's always what I've desired to be a part of. Just success in music to me, it doesn't mean money. It means that, right? Yeah, it's so weird. Like art, art has here. become being a such... part of that highest tier of art that you know is a st that we reach the standard and we push it again. The thing is, art has generation. become such a commodity for like widespread distribution and con and like consumption that I yearn for the days where you just like there was one weirdo that stuck out and some lowly king off in the far land said there's a weirdo that sticks out now I'm going to commission their entire life I'm going to write a blank check and they're going to get to do whatever they want to just be a creative person. And we are so far removed from the Mozarts and the Bach. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's the like, difficult thing with art these days is we have all this information. I have access to Mozart and Beethoven. I've studied them. I have access to every artist and all of their work. Yeah. But do I have the time and the resources to be dedicating my time well, the, but then also, you don't want to emulate somebody else. They've already done it. It's already been done before. No, but I, that's not what I mean. But there's a certain amount of like, mo music was Mozart's whole life. Oh, right? absolutely, it's everything to him. And the the here's here's something it's that is to achieve that. Go watch Amadeus. Yeah. Here's something I want to say that is like very specific to the three people that are sitting at this table. We do have one thing. We do have one thing that can help us kind of scratch that itch and that is we are still and i've said it before on other podcasts um but everybody in this room is a performer and we work in the adult entertainment industry and we are by all means the lowest rung of the <laughs> entertainment ladder right which means which stars. means that we still are One able we still are able <laughs> yes. to utilize you know, where we stand to draw in income and capital to help propel our other higher-minded creative endeavors. Yeah, well, exactly. I'm, I think this is a big part of what, how music should be monetized, honestly, because if you're hot and you're a musician, you we were always doing that. We were always, you know, saying, I'm being sexy today. Give me a little bit more money, right? <laughs> So I think that music, um, I think that OnlyFans, I think that sexuality and, and these different aspects of entertainment, my theory is that with the rise of AI and other technologies, that all of that is going to sort of start to merge into one Blend. sort of yeah. entertainment miasma rather than before where it's like we had a music world, we had a video world might have to get ready for all of these things to become. And as, you know, we may have no choice. It's just going to be the natural progression, and we're just going to have to navigate our way through it. It's going that way because all of people's art is being fed into machine learning, and AI is popping out these things that are... It's not something I like. I don't like it. <laughs> I mean, I can see the appeal of it, but also it, it's kind of cheap. You know, but then also, like, I feel like I if view an it artist, as something we have to get past and and as a necessary because we we live in a certain sort situation. 
We, and where music has a has a specific power over people, right? But it has to be applied to people first, you know? Like, people have to let it into their brain, to their mind, before they accept the influence of the music. Right. And it's getting to the point where there's so relatively easy to create something that's utter trash, right? And just the fact that there's trillions of trash and then one diamond in, in our, you know people who take the real care to go and craft their music, right? Um, so the, the, to me, it feels like the algorithm is sort of like making it, distracting us. Like, uh, I don't want to do all these other things with the music. I don't want to have to make a video, right? But we have to, right? I feel like it's it, uh, when AI can be used positively, it's when an artist acknowledges that and they're using it for their own reasons and they're not being exploited by the machine taking in a bunch of different things on yeah i think as the technology progresses too um and it gets easy enough mm -hmm. to make a, a music video or or for these different things then an, a real artist can simply choose what they want to do so for example if i'm a musician i can focus on my music and then i can have something a little bit more generic as the music videos in order to stay competitive and things like that, right? Right. So I'm going to have to be the bad guy here. I'm going to have to make a segue. But it does play into what we've been talking about. It does play. Uh, there's a lot to process here. But let me rein it back in and go from all of us being on the lowest rung of the entertainment <laughs> ladder real quick, real quick. Because we've had an amazing, fascinating conversation here, but we got about 10 minutes. Okay. So yeah. allow me to try to rein it in for a little bit of something outside of music. I'm so glad we had a music show. This is amazing. You didn't talk about playing at all. for monopolizing it all about music. <laughs> no, 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 no. This so is, this is fantastic. This is great. Um, but I do want to say for people that might be watching, just, you know, just to see Erica Cherry. You yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to ask you just one fundamental question. We have okay, lists yeah. of questions for this kind of thing. But let me ask you like like one fundamental question. How did you get into talking about the lowest rung of the ladder? How did you get into the adult entertainment industry? Webcamming. Webcamming. Um, it all started from webcamming. Mm -hmm. I started from webcamming. And I started by sucking my own dick on camera. <laughs> that was at your big selling point? Well, that was how I managed to get a little bit more traffic than other people at that time. So I was able to grow. I so, funneled it into social I want, media. I, forgive me. It was me. very clever. Baby, forgive me. I want something a little deeper. What like, what got you onto webcamming? Were you just sick of life? Were you working a million Joe jobs and you said something has to change? Or like, well, what it's was a little the... personal. Oh, okay. But it's... um. Well, I, I didn't have a great family situation, and so that was just a way to get enough income to get out of that in order to transition. This is a very – I don't want you to go into details no, okay. that you're uncomfortable with, but this is a very a, common story. Survival means, yeah. Especially folks common. in the trans community. Uh, we Sex workers in sad. general, a lot of times it starts from survival needs. Yeah, so no, it was survival for me too. Um but I'm more than a survivor. I'm a fighter. So I survive and then I'm and grow you're ambitious. And the next thing. Yes. You're an ambitious person. I very much respect that about you. you. You don't sit on your laurels. It doesn't seem like you're even like doing this. Like we've talked about this on the podcast before. You're not just like seeking validation. You have a goal. You have a plan. And I know it might seem a little more like every day is like which which path do I go what do I got to learn what do I got to do and it seems harried in the moment it can be overwhelming it can be overwhelming but you're ambitious enough to see it through you know and getting into webcamming was just a way a, to plant a seed I have an idea and I don't know I heard this from a Prince documentary I think and they said that Prince had this attitude where if he was going to fail it wasn't going to be his fault that's the way I like to think about it. He didn't have a great situation either. A lot of people who are successful didn't have great situations. If you're dedicated enough, I believe, I hope, that you can push through and find real great success financially, commercially, all of it. You know, I'm comfortable with the possibility of failure and that doesn't stop me. Um, but if I fail, it's not going to be my fault. That's how I think. look at it. A, I love this. B, this actually drives me into a way to, to wrap this up. 
um, I love that people actually got to hear like where you started from yeah. in the adult entertainment industry because it is very relatable. I'm sorry we didn't have more time to talk about it. We're going to have you back, honey. We're going to have you back. Yeah, please do. Part two, uh, we'll talk all about your porn. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I, I want to be able to like allow you to give three words of advice for somebody that's just coming in. What are three words of advice that you'd give to somebody that's just dipping their toe into this industry? It doesn't have to be three words. Only three words? Okay. Well, then, uh, like three bits of advice. Three bits of advice. Well, I have one little bit of advice, I okay. guess. And that, that is just in general, um, never make a goal that depends on someone else to do something. Because like you said, we got gatekeepers around. We got this and that. We everything preventing you from success um to me that is if if your version of success depends on the acceptance or the or somebody else choosing you then i'd say that's bad don't don't set yourself up for failure that way instead organize yourself around um what do you want to do what are the things that you can and want to accomplish by yourself with the resources that you know that you have so when you push that envelope like that, it's guaranteed that you'll get that next to the next level, right? right? From there, do it again. Do it again, yeah. So what I'm hearing here, and I love this, again. is that... My strategy for success. Right. Don't let one missed gig destroy your entire, you know, ambition. You know, don't... Yeah. If, one, if, if some director doesn't want to hire you, doesn't notice you... No sweat off your back, no bit, no deal. Keep working on your own stuff. Improve your look, improve this, that. Maybe it'll happen later, maybe not. Doesn't matter. There's always another gig. There's always something that you can do yourself, which teaches you a lot of stuff and gets the job done. Somebody will appreciate it. Somebody will pay for it. And it gives you something to put out yes, there. I, and I can for guarantee those. that if you keep doing that, especially in this industry, and if you do your work at a, at a consistently high quality then everyone will want to work with you. Yeah, you just you just keep striving and you don't let uh, a rejection destroy your world. This uh, as as people in the creative field, we know that it's more rejections than acceptance. And if you can see your way through that, you're fucking golden. Yeah, you, you meet with so much rejection um not just in porn, but in music. Uh, in all creative endeavors. Uh, yeah. Honestly, it gets a little surprising when you hear yes, but it does happen. It does happen. All right. So with that being said, Erica Cherry, thank you so much for coming on the show. We got to have you back as soon as possible. Please. We can like, there's so much for us to talk about. Yeah. And I, I had a great time. Um, have me back anytime. Absolutely, sweetheart. Steph, you have anything left to say? No. Thanks for coming through. All right. So thank you, everybody, for listening and for our Patreon viewers watching the Approximate Podcast. And we'll see you on the next show. All right. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody.